Cohen, you have been. I have been what? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're supposed to put your Twitter handle, man. Oh, where have I been? I thought you said you've been. I mean, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of the Floorcast, the NFT podcast. Forecast, Floorcast, see what we did there. And I'm telling you guys, the forecast is sunny in London at the moment. It's really sunny and I, I can't believe it. It's um, The sun is shining, the birds are singing and everyone is feeling a lot better about themselves. I'm joined today by two C's out of three. Curtis and Corwin. But before that, I need to remind you that we are a community-led podcast by the Floor NFT app community. If you don't know what Floor is, it's your very own NFT portfolio in your pocket. An app which aggregates all your NFTs into one amazing interface, showing you price movements, latest sales, and so much more. And also the community is pretty awesome and you get mint list spots to loads of awesome projects, which is also really, really cool. And with me to discuss all the things happening in NFT world is Corwin. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Pat? Nice and sunny here as well. Well, it always is, right? Isn't it where, where you are? Yeah, that's true. Not always. Actually, rain two days ago. I was very, very surprised. Do you know what? Like, I was actually in Vegas once and it rained. Yes, it does rain there. Does it? I thought it was like the desert. Doesn't rain, right? I think it snows in the desert, actually. <laughs> Me, man. Well, I was there and I got into the taxi to the airport and I was like, how often does it rain here? And he was like, we get about you know, three millimeters and milliliters a, a year or whatever. Some weird metric that I'd never used, that I'd never heard <laughs> used to describe rain other by the, like a meteorologist or whatever. And I was like, how much rain is that? And he was like, it's about this much. <laughs> so I got like all of Vegas's rain in one day, which was good fun. Pat, I thought, I thought we kind of made a deal not to talk about the weather anymore. Yeah, but this is like the icebreaker. And like, <laughs> I just want to tell the audience that for the, that this is episode 10, for nine out of the 10 episodes, we've been working on like a delay because the software we use uploads the audio and video whilst we're recording. So it takes a lot of the bandwidth of our internets when we're recording. We've now decided to do the uploads after the podcast and we have no delay. So we should have the smoothest podcast ever. And also Chris isn't on today, so it'll be doubly smooth, right Curtis? Yeah, that's right. I, I refuse to talk about the weather. So I will just say it is a great day here. Uh, NFTs are back. NFTs are dead. Long lived NFTs, right? Look, let, let's get straight into it because we probably had one of the biggest announcements in NFT history, right? And this is something that we'll look back on as being like a, a watershed moment, I suppose, in the whole of Web3 because we, we don't really know how big the plan is for this specific company, this specific brand and what they're going to do in this world, but we just know that they, they get shit done and they get it done well. So Corwin, why don't you take it away with the thing that you're bringing to the table, which is probably the biggest thing that we're bringing to the table ever on the Floorcast. Yes, ApeCoin. Insane. So why don't you give everyone like a what the hell happened breakdown and then we get into it. Cool. So this, uh, I guess we'll start from, I think it was a week and a half ago to two weeks ago, a Board Ape Yacht Club pitch deck actually got leaked. I don't know if that was done on purpose or if it was actually leaked and like leaked on accident. And it kind of went over the entire Board Ape Yacht Club ecosystem and like what they plan to do. And 
it showed this like ape coin and how you're going to like earn it and what it's going to do. It's going to work with all these different things in their ecosystem and do all this and that. I'm sure Curtis will touch more on the ecosystem thing later in this podcast as well. So then they just announced it. Like they're just like, screw it. We're announcing it. And they just announced it on Twitter, which I'm sure it was planned. I don't think it was because the pitch deck or anything like that. And after they announced it, it just like, it went crazy. They're like, okay, well, this is going to be on all the exchanges the same day it's launched too. So like Coinbase picked it up. FTX picked it up. All the big, Gemini, Gemini even sent me a personalized email like, hey, we launched ApeCoin. And I'm like, this is insane. And every Ape holder was given about 10,000 coins for a base C. Uh, mutants were given, I think, 2,000. And then their kennel club was not given anything unless it was paired with an Ape or a mutant. And it would have given you, I think, 1,000 extra on top of it. So the floors just skyrocketed. I think Basie went from like 85 up to like 115 in a matter of hours. And then uh, same with Mutants. Mutants went from like, I think they were like sitting around 12 and they went up to like 24. And even the Kennel Club went up to, I think like 10 ETH, which is insane. So this token came out and right out the gate, it was like nine. It, I Actually, the second, I was up at 5.30 that morning waiting for it to launch and it was going for like 20 bucks. And I'm like, like, how long did that last for, by the way, Courtwin? Because I was, by the time I got up, uh, not got up, by the time I looked at it, it was like, I don't know, it was sitting at like six, seven dollars. But how long was it at like the 25, 20? So it was around 20, 25 for about, I, I want to say like 30 minutes. Somehow people were able to claim beforehand. So it was kind of like floating up there until it came out to the masses and everyone started selling. So I'd say about 20, 30 minutes. And then probably when you got up, it was probably like an hour after maybe pet. And it was it was around $6, $7. And then after that, the rest of the day, it was like nine. And then the day after it was 15. So imagine if you're just holding a Board Ape Yacht Club for like a year now, and now you just got $150,000 for free. Well, also on top of riding one of the biggest like bull cycles individually in an nft project right this you know if you bought this time last year it was like 0.7 right or something like that maybe 0.5 i don't know yeah insane it just minted right like this time a couple of weeks ago or something like that this time a week ago so i mean it's crazy to think that it's made some people life all true money and and the crazy thing is a lot of those people that are that have made that life all too money. I like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep this because I, I really believe in it. But I mean, it's it, like it going for twenty dollars start is crazy to me, right? The reason it's crazy is because right now I think we're sitting at a three billion dollar diluted valuation market cap, which would be ten million if it was completely diluted, ten billion rather, which is which is huge. Right? And it would have been fifteen billion the other day when it was at fifteen dollars, which is insane. Yeah. So right now it's already number, I mean, Axie Infinity AXS is at $3 billion right now. ApeCoin is number 48 already. That's like, to put it into context, that's like two behind Tezos. And I know like, you know, lots of people have uh, differing opinions on them, but like that's still pretty crazy. So I had, I had a lot of conversations in Sunday Drip actually before it got released. And I was kind of like, kind of thought of it this way is like, this is kind of like the SPY or like, the overall like market index for like NFTs because it's like the biggest projects in my, okay, I see your face, Pat. You, you probably don't agree <laughs> with me, but think of, think about like someone, think about like someone who's not into NFTs or like not super tech, tech savvy and they want to get into it. They could just go on Coinbase now and invest in ApeCoin. And that's kind of like 
it kind of like the overall market kind of follows them as well. And I know this doesn't include like crypto punks, but I kind of feel like I kind of feel like it's the same thing like SpaceX and Tesla. If a SpaceX rocket ship fails, the Tesla price is going to go down. And I feel like it's kind of the same that way, same way that way. And I feel like if someone really wants to get into the NFT space and doesn't want to go through the hassle of making a MetaMask, sending money to the MetaMask, making an OpenSea account, buying it that way, then this is kind of just a way for people to get into the ecosystem of NFTs. Yeah, I mean, look, there is still some technical literacy needed to buy ApeCoin though, right? Like you still need to make a Coinbase account and then buy it. I know it's a lot easier, but like if I said to my dad, go buy some ApeCoin, I don't like, I don't, again, he's like 63, right? But I don't think I trust him with buying it. Shit, it's his birthday in three days, actually. Fuck. Okay, good reminder, Pat. Um, <laughs> I disagree with that a little bit in the sense that like, could Axie Infinity use their AXS token? Or I guess it's different because they have their own chain. They've got Ronin and people might use Ronin to build different games, etc. Like, ApeCoin, I think, is really, really interesting when people start accepting it and they start building things with it. They start minting things with it. I think at that point, it gets really, really interesting. The thing is, like, it's really difficult to generate a tokenomic system that has, like, way more demand than supply. That's, like, the first level, you know, bit of high-level wording from me. But then secondly to maintain that in the sense that people want to actually spend this thing, hold this thing rather than sell it, is actually a really difficult thing to do. And I don't think that many people have done it really well, especially in kind of NFT-linked tokens. And I know this is slightly different. Like the white paper they released was amazing. Like the kind of governance system that they've got in place is really interesting. But like, this is my question to you, Kurt. It's like, at that evaluation, are people kind of overvaluing governance? because not everyone wants to be a governor. They don't want to make decisions sometimes. Like, are people overvaluing this to some extent? Uh, from just purely what it is, like as a governance token, right? I mean, purely as a governance token, yes. But I don't think a whole lot of people are getting into ApeCoin to get governance. I think it's, they see the appeal of the different other projects that are going to incorporate Ape. They see stuff like the trailer that Yuga dropped, and they see this crazy metaverse that possibly has multiple games and multiple projects incorporated, all being powered by Ape. I think they're getting into that side of it. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for where it could go. I'm waiting for my entry point. I had a pretty good entry point. <laughs> Me and Corin were debating whether uh, we should get in. I think it was around 6.8. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll drop a little bit more. And then it took off to like 14. So I'm still waiting for my entry point again. But yeah, I'm bullish on it just for purely from the technical side. Some of the stuff that leaked in that, that slide deck was stuff about the SDK to enable other projects to very easily integrate with their metaverse that they want to, uh, which I think is called the other side. That is really exciting technically, and I think really exciting for like this crazy ape coin that could power a ton of different games, a ton of different. It's a it's a huge ecosystem play. And also playing off of that too, they they were kind of teasing the idea of opening up a marketplace. So if they open up their own maybe zero free fee marketplace or anything like that, and they give back ape coin as like an incentive to list there, I think that would be an open sea killer and they have the funding the community to do it yeah i'm i'm not skeptical like i really think that they are going to do extremely well with this but like 
this is a whole nother ball game, isn't it? Like actually creating a ecosystem that people are incentivized to build on Curtis is really difficult. And like incentivizing like great devs or great product people to, to go and build awesome things within this community is, is, is the next challenge they face, right? Because lots of people have got a big brand, they've got like big VC money behind them, but it's difficult to actually go and get people to build things that are going to be consumer facing and, and, and used by consumers, isn't it? Yeah, but I think if anyone's going to be able to pull it off, it'll be the company that owns the top two projects in the space and also has a gigantic war chest and basically everything they release. Like the land sale isn't even officially announced yet and people are already starting to line up ETH to buy into the land sale and we don't have any details on what it is. So, And if it is what it was in the slide deck, like as reported, that's potentially 2,000 ETH that's going to or sorry, 200,000 ETH. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that is an insane. That's, that's truckloads of money to do whatever they need to do to get this stuff uh, launched. And and Curtis, you said at the beginning of this podcast that the NFT market's back. Do you think it's because everyone just got handed 150K or? But like, did it did it ever go away? Like I was writing my newsletter today, sportingcrypto.substack, big, big plug there. But like, Okay, so the interest in NFTs plummeted, quote unquote, but it still was at the same level as it was in like, it's gone down from 100 on Google search. So the most searched it's ever been on Google in like January 2016. By March the 6th, it was down like where we were in November. So let's look at a couple other statistics. This is from NFT Go, right? So there's a chart, if you look at it, from like January 2021 in terms of market cap, the estimated market cap of NFTs since like that uh, November date has got has like basically almost doubled. The amount of volume is like three, four, five x that it was at that time in November. The amount of holders is almost doubled. And I know there'll be loads of like people multi walleting and you know creating spin up wallets for different projects and stuff. But like an almost double in the amount of people holding nfts since that november date i'd say nfts are in a pretty good place even though they had this massive massive jump in january and then kind of came crashing down going from like kind of almost a billion dollar volumes a day to kind of a couple hundred million now which is still a lot so yeah i'm uh very interested to see how that kind of nfts a dead narrative comes back and whenever you know Forbes and, and such wheel that article back out. But I remember like in the during the 2017 crypto cycle on Blockchain Insider when I was producing that podcast back in the day, every single month and a half, at least twice a quarter, we'd have like one of the stories would be like, is crypto dead? Like what's happened to Bitcoin? La la la. I, it's just going to keep happening and we're going to keep seeing it. Sorry for that little mini rant in the, in the, in the, in the middle of that. <laughs> no, but you bring up a good idea. Like did, we definitely looked bearish for about two-ish weeks there, where everyone was seeing floor prices depress, crypto was going down, NFTs were following, which typically doesn't happen. And then I think more than just injecting liquidity, which I think it certainly did inject some liquidity into the market. I mean, you don't, you hand out 150K to a bunch of people. They're not they're not going to immediately go uh, cash it out on the exchanges. I think what it also did was it brought a lot more excitement. It injected a bunch of energy back into the, the ecosystem. And so people got a little bit more bullish on things. Like you said, January was insane. So I think everyone's comparing every month to January's month and saying that we're down. Well, of course we're down because it was like a crazy blow off top in January. So yeah, but I'm, I'm seeing 
lots of projects, increasing floor prices, lots of volume uh, in certain certain corners of the market. I think it's, I don't know if we'll be back into like a crazy January bull for a bit, but it definitely gave us kind of a shot in the arm for uh, energy into the ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, some really interesting thoughts there. Like, I think there's definitely bull and bear cases for both broadly the NFT market, but also ApeCoin, I think, also Bored Apes. I think I lean bullish on both, but I, I kind of see both sides. Corwin, any final thoughts before we move on from your topic? Nope. Besides, <laughs> besides that, I was, um, oh, uh, I was looking for a good entry port around 4 or $5, but right now I just, I can't see, realistically, I can't see myself buying in at this high of a, of a diluted, fully diluted market cap. Yeah, and I think like one of the things people have done is is compared it to a lot of other make a lot of other market caps that are just absolute shit coins, right? And yeah, you know, when people are like, "Well, Doge is a fifteen billion dollar market cap," it's like, "Well, yeah, it's also a meme coin that could die tomorrow, right?" <laughs> so it's it's um it's not the best comp, but I, I see what people are trying to do. Again, I'm trying to be sensible here, right, guys? I don't know if that's working, but yeah. Right, should we move on? Should we go for my topic? What I want to bring to the table is licensed NFTs. And we basically covered this entire topic off air, which we shouldn't have done because we used up all our, our good stuff. But uh, I saw Pranksy quote tweet something, which was along the lines of, this is why license does not necessarily mean a strong future within NFTs. I'm sorry to those affected. And it was basically quote tweeting a... It's quote tweeting a tweet from Rev Motorsport, which says it is with deep regret that we announced that F1 Delta time will cease operations on the 16th of March 2022 due to us not being able to renew our license. We will ensure that current owners of F1 Delta time assets are rewarded for their loyalty and support. Um, and this was basically regarding a game or PTE game called F1 Delta Time, which had some F1 licenses at a pretty cool game. I think the NFTs were trading at a reasonably good amount. And then basically they couldn't get the licenses for this season's f1 which started this weekend just gone and they basically announced saying yeah like we don't have the licenses for this anymore and we have to cease operations which is which really really sucks and obviously like i'm in the sports crypto world um as i plugged my newsletter earlier but like i've just thought this raised a really interesting debate and a conversation that i wanted to have on the podcast about like licensing nfts and big brands working with vendors to license their nfts and then basically being able to rug the consumers that have bought these nfts and i just i just think it's crazy right like just one post and suddenly your bag is rugged like it's just yeah i mean look we see worse things in the crypto space and the nft space itself but i think there is some sort of credibility that is added to having a licensed deal and clearly in this situation curtis it wasn't as credible as people would have thought. Yeah, I think just a blanket statement about having a license isn't good enough. I think you have to do a little bit more research and figure out what the license entails. People in, or businesses in Web2 have been doing this for much longer. And when they lock up a license, they make sure to get five to 10 years and even getting longer and locking up a particular part of, so not just, I'm going to license all of F1, I'm going to license a particular part of it. So it just sounds like they got a really bad deal where they tried to license F1 for one year, hoping that F1 wasn't going to not renew them. And obviously F1 has decided to not renew them and now they're they're completely uh, out of luck. Corwin, any thoughts here? That's just so interesting. Um, as we were talking about earlier too, is like NBA Top Shots, like 
how is that licensed? Is it is it licensed to where they just get they get to keep that moment forever? Or what happens if down the road, five years from now, NBA is like, you know what, we're going to part ways from Dapper. And also, it kind of brings up like the tops cards as well. Like as soon as the top star stopped working with, I think it was baseball. They're not good. You said this pet earlier. Uh, they're not going to go and take away all those baseball cards. So I think licensing is like really, really tricky. I would love to have someone on here that knows more about licensing because I don't know what type of deal that F1 had, but that's uh, that's very unfortunate for the holders and got to be careful in the space. Yeah, I mean, it's licensing, licensing thing is super, super tricky. And I think this is honestly like some lawyers are going to make a crazy amount of money because although existing IP infrastructures are super like they work to some extent and they protect the brands that have the ip but like when you start talking about like web3 there's you know been a lot of chat about like cco etc like commercial rights all that kind of stuff like i think the models around like rights and ip are gonna have to pivot or adjust a little bit to allow for things like this to be protected or at least make it like a bigger disclaimer because like we talked about top shots right whereby you buy a NBA Top Shot, you buy a LeBron James Slam Dunk, and the NBA have licensed that specific Slam Dunk. You buy it in the same way that if Panini have a deal with the World Cup or FIFA and they sell you like a Ronaldo card, they can't just go and take that Ronaldo card back off you if they stop having a deal with FIFA. I think that's how it works with the NBA and Top Shots. And we'll get a lawyer on at some point on this podcast <laughs> to definitely verify that. But I think that's how it works. The issue is if you have like ongoing ip like let's say if you have a f1 car and it's that car that nft that you sell Mm -hmm. and in the licensing deal it needs to be licensed to play in these games i think that's where you that's where you have a a bit of an issue we also talked about disney last week and how they plan on acquiring a company and it makes you think about vive because that's where they currently have a lot of their ip hosted at so what happens one day if i guess it would be like a case-by-case basis like what type of licensing deal you did like is it like a licensing deal where we're just we're licensing it out now or like you're going to be able to keep it? I, I don't know how any of that works but, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens down the road and also like if this project was on chain then you know not much they could do about it the other thing like no one would ever license something on chain would they would they i don't know Let's see. Am I have I just spoken out of turn? Like, has anyone done a proper licensing thing where it's on chain? Funny actually, when I when I recorded the the audio documentary, the history and future NFTs that I that I produced, someone was like, "Oh, actually, I don't want my audio there anymore." And we were like, "Oh, we're actually just we've just uploaded on, onto our weave, and it's on IPFS. <laughs> we can't do anything now. It's up there." Curtis, I was going to ask you a question. Do brands have to rethink the rights they give away? What I mean by that is like. Web2, people could give away their, sell their digital rights and then not have ownership of a lot of their digital property, websites, Instagram, blah, blah. Um, and likewise, when social media came along, you'd never do a deal with Facebook to become your like social media partner and never be able to post on Twitter, WhatsApp, wherever else. Do you think a lot of brands know what the hell they're giving away here when it comes to IP and rights and Web3? Yeah, there's, there's so many angles to, to approach this. So some brands might not understand what they're giving away by giving away these NFT rights. On the flip side too, some contracts with creators right now basically say we own your entire image, which means they can't kind of fulfill like the Web3's promise of making their own 
art or releasing anything because it's actually against their contract. So there's some reworking that has to be done on both sides, both on the brand side and on the creator side to figure out what do we do with NFTs. And then you, you guys brought up a good point about what happens if you do something on chain? Like there's no undoing something that is generated on chain. And so I think Web3 just has to get some more Web2 brains in and acclimated that, who are used to doing these licensing deals. We need more lawyers. We need more of those people uh, to just navigate this because same thing happens with a movie. Like you release a movie and I have a DVD stand at home. If the rights go sideways, I still have the DVD. I can still play it mostly. So I think that's, well, <laughs> mostly I say that there, there are DRMs that can prevent you from doing that. But I think we just, like, this is just a case where people who didn't know how to do licensing did something didn't didn't secure the proper rights and now they're they're out of luck uh, what they might have been able to do is say for this one season we want to license the cars and then even if they said you can't have the next seasons of cars like cool we still have the last season of cars we can still play the game with those cars just something and then you could and then you could pivot and say we're going to make our own ip cars and like they're going to not be as good as the other cars or whatever. I, I don't know. Like you could do something to pivot around that, but like, right. it and, seems... and even if the F1 is, it says something like you can't use our name anymore. Like, cool. We'll call it something else. We'll call it Delta time by whatever. And we'll still use the cars. We still have all that stuff. But I mean, this is just where I think this is just a bad deal was made and it shouldn't be a reflection on like anything that has a license. It just means if you see a license, be wary the same way you'd see some, like if someone releases something that has a big IP, so you see like a Disney NFT done by someone who's not Disney, you're like, okay, I'm staying away from that because that is probably getting delisted immediately. You have to have that same sort of eye towards something that might have an official license. You go, okay, I need to dig into the license to actually make sure that they've done the proper license deal here. I am super bullish on on-chain, but I'm going to be... It's going to be awesome to watch the first court case. I was literally about to say that. I was about to say that. Like, we need to live stream, like, the first, like, on-chain IP rights thing. thing. One of those, is, that's going to be a weird court case where it's going to take, like, 14 days to educate the jurors about blockchain. And then they can actually start going through and doing the case. It's going to be one of those weird ones. Oh, 14 days to educate about blockchain. And then another 14 days to talk about how on-chain works. Right. Curtis, last but not least, what are you bringing to the table, sir? Yeah, I wanted to talk about something that I've kind of seen, something that kind of lasted through the the little bit of the, the bear that we had there in NFTs. And it's something I'm kind of bullish on going forward. And it's this ecosystem play where we, we're in this super saturated market right now. There's, there's so many projects being released. A lot of them aren't selling anywhere close to minting out. Um, and the, the problem is, it's very hard to do due diligence on all these projects. But one thing that has made my job of doing due diligence a lot easier is buying into different ecosystems that I really believe in. So it might be a team that is releasing, like they released one project and then they've got multiple other projects that they release on the back of that. Or it might be that there's a DAO like Magic, uh, like Treasure DAO that has a Magic token and there's a bunch of games around it. Another couple good examples are obviously Yuga, which we already talked about, but they've released an ApeCoin, which now is going to draw in potentially other projects to adopt the coin. But you know Yuga is ultimately backing this metaverse and the coin, and so there's some credibility there. And then one that uh, me and Corin have recently gotten into is uh, House, which just had the Miri reveal. And this is, again, 
a team of about 12 to 15 people, really great backgrounds. They've got a couple of really successful projects under their belts already. And then Miri just came out and it's also very successful doing insane volume. But then they've got a couple other projects planned already and they've got this whole ecosystem planned out. And so when I look at something like that and I see the ecosystem, I see the past success, it makes it a lot easier for me to, to buy into that because I'm not just doing diligence on like a brand new team, brand new project with, like, I don't know if they, especially if they're not doxxed, I don't know what they've done before. They might be a serial rugging uh, crew. I, I just don't know. Uh, but with buying into something like House, like I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is going to do at least well or be supported by the team for long-term. What do you guys think about uh, ecosystem plays like that? I, I think that's... I think that might be like the new wave, how we keep having like all these trends. We went from like last year, like August or September, anything that had staking would sell out in seconds. And then we moved over to, oh, anything that gets you like a token. And then we went to games. And now I feel like we're in like the ecosystem phase. It's like we just keep evolving and evolving because now the ecosystem has all of those combined. This was one of my points about like, you can see why there is a, bear case for apecoin and it's not necessarily I, I don't know like it's not i don't know how to explain it like it's not necessarily being bearish about them it's like how many ecosystems are we going to have right how many of them can interrupt with each other because like at the end of the day people are making tokenomics plans based on everyone utilizing their token i don't know how many people are doing it really well to operate within each other's platforms or environments whilst like creating something really really valuable if that makes sense i, I think i see what you're you're saying it's it is very early for some of these ecosystems um like some of these like house has only been available for a couple months there's two different ways i've seen ecosystems develop one is kind of the way treasure dow did with magic where they're like here's the guide rails here's a marketplace here's the token and here's a DAO to help govern. And then like developers come here, bring your games and we'll do it. There have been some recent challenges with that as well, because as these different developers start spitting off different mechanics, someone's got to make sure all those mechanics play nicely and that not everyone is flocking to the new game because there's like some exploit that actually like lets you get into the ecosystem or like generate a, a bunch of the token or treasures or whatever it is disproportional to the other games that are already there. But then you've got situations like house, uh, where they're, uh, they started small, they released a token, now they're building on other projects. So they're not necessarily saying, hey, a bunch of outsiders come in and we'll provide you with guide rails. They're saying, we're going to build our own stuff and just expand our team. So I see challenges on both sides. And I'm, I'm bullish on teams that have been able to put out a couple projects in their ecosystem. And that's kind of what my, my lens is right now. It's, it's not, did they release one project with one token? That's, I mean... It could go either way, but something like you've got a token, you've got a couple different NFTs, everything seems to be playing well together. I'm more bullish that you'll be able to add on more utility, add on more projects and integrate it because you've already done it a couple of times. Yeah, it's certainly really interesting. I think um, we'll see what happens uh, within this space. But like, I don't know, any thoughts, Colin and Curtis, before we start to wrap up? I'm pretty bullish on house. I think the ecosystem play is going to start becoming the norm. It's getting a lot harder to make money in this game. Um, not that it's a game, but... <laughs> so I feel like Ecosystems is kind of going to 
give trust to companies and also help out, uh, also help build community. Even though Mary currently doesn't have a community, but hopefully, uh, the I actually not hopefully the house Discord does kind of have a little bit of a community compared to Mary. So I mean, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> And on that note... <laughs> cut that, no, cut that, cut that. <laughs> no, 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 we're keeping that for sure. Curtis, Curtis any thoughts before uh, you run off? Uh, no more thoughts on that, but I'm wondering, has anyone live-minted anything during this podcast? Because that seems... Well, to have, we I have, have been so lucky with our live-mints, though. We have been, like, getting... We have been getting lucky. Uh, I think... Yeah, I mean... Murray, what else did we? What did you mean last time, Pet? That that sold out instantly. Commsor. Oh, that was Commsor. Yeah, yeah. It's not doing so well now. Shiny feathers. Murray. I mean, it's pretty decent. Pretty decent run. Um, What else was there? Was Loveless on? No. No. Did you get your Florex Loveless passes though? I got three. Yeah. Wow, three. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe with the tail end of this, since we don't have Chris here, uh, Corin, do you wanna do you wanna take over the job of like doing like a floor community update? What's been going on the past week? Sure, I would love to do that. What has been going on in the past week? Uh, I think the biggest thing that's been going on the past week in the floor community is the Alpha channel. It's been going wild, like just with the Miri thing. Like everyone got in at point five, and then it ran up to like one point eight, and people are like. People were selling all the way up 1.5, 1.8. That's like a 1.2 ETH like difference for just holding for like a week that we all found out in the floor community. Thanks to uh, Curtis, you know who brought it up. Uh, Yamaguchi, I think, deserves the credit for that. Awesome. Thank you, Yamaguchi, for blessing us all with house and having us get into the ecosystem. I'm super excited for the for their next project as well. And then also, there's been actually a lot of meetups going on. I We just had an LA meetup two days ago. I met with Doodles and Soy Henry, shout out both of them. And then there was a San Francisco meetup as well yesterday where they got drinks in the sun and they also sent their ducks to a party that they got from Floor, which is awesome, which I actually need to go check my ducks because uh, I think they came back from the party today, right, Curtis? I need to go see if I got a one-on-one. Yeah, and uh, that that is actually such a cool mechanic. Lots of people, I think I one of mine gained a couple thousand ranks. It's still only like rank 3,000, but it came from like 6,000 to 3,000, which is cool. I've seen some jump up into the low hundreds for rarity, which is really cool. Uh, it's just a really cool mechanic, and they have so much room to run with that. Like so many possibilities. I never got a duck. I'm not going to lie to you, boys. I'm not going to lie to you. However, I will plug one thing. There is a NFT UK meetup on Thursday, the 23rd. That's the 24th. Oh, no, it's Wednesday, the 23rd, sorry, uh, in London. So if you want to know more about that, follow them on Twitter or hit me up on Twitter and uh, I'll let you know the deets. But I think we'll leave it there, gents. We need to start getting some guests on because I'm getting bored of all three C's. So, um, I mean, if anyone's got any suggestions on guests, let us know in the Floorcast channel on Discord in the Floor NFT Discord or on Twitter at the Floorcast. I've been your host, Pet Barisha, at P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. Corwin, you have been... I have been what? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're supposed to put your Twitter handle, man. Oh, where have I been? I thought you said you've been. <laughs> like, I have been what? Yeah, as in like, I've been Pet Barisha, and then I've been, and you've been, and you'd be like, oh, OX Corbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm uh, 0x Corbin on Twitter, and you could also find me in the Floor Discord. I'm literally there 24-7, so. 
give me give us a shout <laughs> amazing curtis curtis j cummings on twitter hanging out in shiny floor and sunday drip mostly amazing well thank you very much everyone for listening have a great day um if you guys are looking forward to more floorcast then please do subscribe leave us a review on apple spotify wherever you listen and give us some feedback at the floorcast on twitter or in the floor nft discord and we'll catch you next time next week on the floorcast <laughs>